Hey, good evening, social media. So I was led tonight to record a video because I've gotten a few text messages and phone calls about a message that Dr. Dollar uh, preached, Pastor Creflo Dollar preached on June 26th about tithing. The title of the message was The Great Misunderstanding. And uh, people have asked me, man, what do you think about this? So first of all, you just need to watch the message. You can go on YouTube. You can look it up. You're going to find it. You can watch the message for yourself. But now he's being misquoted. And, you know, there's all kinds of articles online saying he misled people. This pastor now that, that misled people on tithing for years. Now, what is he going to do? Should he give this money back and all that? It's just crazy stuff. Like, they, like people say, the Internet has no chill. <laughs> and so I want to share a few things. I had a conversation with one of my pastor friends about it. And uh, he was like, Rick, you know, let's talk about it because I know you're connected to Dr. Dollar. Like, you know, you submit unto Dr. Dollar. So my Dr. Dollar, Pastor Creflo Dollar is my spiritual father, spiritual father. And also Isabella and I have been partners with Creflo Dollar Ministries uh, since 2002. So that's 20 years. And prior to that, we were connected uh, uh, with a ministry that was connected to his ministry since 1997. So I definitely am aware of the teaching uh, of Pastor Dollar. I definitely appreciate everything that he's taught me. Um, so right up front, I'm going to teach for a few minutes on tithing and giving under grace, under the new covenant. And I'm going to share a few things that, um, that I believe that Dr. Dollar said, and, and like he's being misquoted, I think, in some places, or people are just jumping to conclusions. Uh, but at the end of the day, he was basically just explaining that when we give today is spirit-led new covenant. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And those of you that know me, I teach the grace life. We're not under the law. There's lots of scriptures. I don't have to give you those scriptures about the fact that we're no longer under the law of Moses. We're under grace. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are under this covenant of grace. And as we give as new covenant believers, we're not under a curse. We're not under any bondage. We're not under a law to do it or anything like that. And I believe that's what Dr. Dollar was, was teaching. If you really hear his heart, he was teaching about New Testament, New Covenant giving. And here's the biggest point. He was not teaching for you to give less. Like, I mean, under the New Covenant, when you're led by the Holy Spirit and you give, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to give even more than 10%. Isabella and I have given more than 10% for a long time. I can't even remember the last time we just gave 10%. So, so of course, New Covenant, Holy Spirit-led giving, your heart needs to be in your giving. You want to do it because it's a privilege. You get to give back to God of the things that he's given unto you. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, I'm going to show you some things from the word. I believe the Holy Spirit is always going to lead you to do more than what you did under the requirements of the law. The law was about works, humanity. The law put the spotlight on man, and it was about man working for God. Under the new covenant, the spotlight is on God and what he's already done for us. And so he is our source. And, and he multiplies, he ministers seed to us, right? And he tells us through the Holy Spirit, what part of that is seed for sowing? What part of that is bread for eating? And then as we sow it, it he multiplies the seed that's sown. I mean, this is New Testament giving. It's a whole nother way to give. It's a whole nother level. You're being led by the Holy Spirit as you give. So tonight, I want to share seven quick things with you. One of them is not going to be too quick, uh, but you know, seven things I'm going to share with you about um, about this video and about this message. And people have asked me to kind of do this video. So I'm going to do it. And I pray that it's a blessing to you. So number one, the first thing of the seven, I just need to get this out of the way right up front. This video is not disparaging towards Dr. Dollar in any way. 
Dr. Dollar is my spiritual father, spiritual father. I honor him as a man of God. And I sow into his ministry every month. And we have been for 20 years. And that's not going to stop. So I respect uh, Pastor Creflo Dollar. I, I respect Pastor Taffy Dollar. And uh, we honor them. There's this great anointing on their lives. And one of the things that I love about Dr. Dollar, when he started, started studying grace, which led me to study grace as well. And so is that he was like, you know what? The faith teaching that we've been doing to that point, he said, it wasn't that it was incorrect, but it was incomplete. And as you, you study faith through the lens of God's grace and you start to get a greater understanding of God's grace and how God does everything by grace, grace is unearned, unmerited, undeserved. And so then we start to, we have to respond to the grace of God with our faith. And so where there is no grace, there can be no faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And so now as he's been teaching this over the years, yeah, it's been, it's been great to see a man of God say, you know what? I'm learning. I'm evolving. Maybe I didn't teach this the best way before. And that's kind of what he's saying here on tithing. Maybe I didn't teach this the best way before, but let me teach it now. Let me teach it the way that I understand it now. Always growing, always evolving. Not saying that, that he's arrived. And I honor that in a man of God. I appreciate that. That's what we want in our leaders. We want our leaders, especially that, that are walking with God, because vision is progressive, is incremental. As we're walking with God, we're always growing, always learning. And so as we're growing and learning, listen, there's some things, let me just say this on this first point, there's some things that you understand today that you didn't understand 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, you could have been vehement about something, but sincerity doesn't equal accuracy. And so you could be sincere and, and be sincerely wrong or be, be sincerely off a little bit, right? And so all he's saying is like, he's growing, he's evolving, and now he's teaching giving under this, this covenant of grace. And I actually see nothing wrong with it. I, um, and so I, I, this is the way we give. And those that have been listening to me under the grace life, you know that, yeah, we give under the covenant of grace, not under the covenant of the law. So number two, Dr. Dollar did not say that we are not to give, nor did he say that we're supposed to give less. So, so giving is biblical. First of all, giving is biblical. Is is It was there before the law, it was there under the law, and is there after the law. So giving is biblical. In my book, Level Up Your Life, I deal with categories of giving. I talk about the tithe or the first fruit. I talk about the offering that's above and beyond the tithe. I talk about sowing into ministry. I talk about giving to the poor. I cover all four of those categories. I talk about how what was Jesus's response to the poor and how the gospel is the answer to poverty. And so how Jesus never gave anybody any money, what he gave the poor was the word. Anyway, all of that is in the book. And so, yeah, there's, there's categories of giving. And so I kind of go through all of that. He never said that we're supposed to give less. He's teaching us to be led by the Holy Spirit to give. And when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to fulfill all those areas, whether it be the tithe or what you consider to be the tithe of the first 10%, or the offering above and beyond that, or maybe you call the whole thing an offering. I'm, I'm cool with that too. Listen, I'm not saying I'm open. I'm open to whatever the Holy Spirit is leading me to say. I'm not saying that that I have this all figured out either. I'm just going to share some things with you tonight based on my level of understanding. And if that grows and evolves over time, I'm, I'm cool with that too, right? And so anyway, the times, the offering, sowing into ministry above and beyond or outside of the local church, and, and then giving to the poor. So Isabella and I, we participate in all four of those categories every month, and we have been for a long time, and, and we believe that that's biblical. We believe that we're led by the Holy Spirit to do all of those things. We believe that's part of what we do 
with our finances, with our resources. When God is your source, he will lead you concerning where to sow and how to sow. You got it? All right, number three. I believe the major point that Dr. Dollar was making is that we're no longer under the obligation of the law to tithe, like tithing under the law because we're no longer under the law. So we're no longer under the law, we're under grace. And so because we're under grace, and he's been teaching this, I've been teaching this, we're no longer under the law. So it's a, it's a logical conclusion. It's, it's easy to follow. We, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. Therefore, like under the law, and I'm, I'm going to give you some more context on this later, but under the law, if you look at uh, um, biblical times, especially Old Covenant, the, the nation of Israel had 12 tribes. They had 11 tribes of kings and one tribe of priests. In Revelations 1, 5, and 6, the Bible says that God has made us New Testament, both kings and priests. And so, but anyway, Old Covenant, there were 11 tribes of kings and one tribe of priests. And so under the Old Covenant, the, the 11 tribes of kings, they would go to the priests to hear from God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. And so the priests were the, were the intercessors or the intermediaries between the people and God. So they went and they heard from God. They got insight from God. They would come back and tell the 11 tribes what God said. Then they would go out and do battle with the insight, wisdom, revelation, knowledge, and understanding that they received from heaven through the priests. So they would go out and do battle with that advantage. The whole, See, God is always going to give us the advantage. So they would go out and do battle with that and because they had the advantage and the blessing on them, they would win. They would bring back the spoils. And then they were supposed to tithe to take care of the one tribe that were not kings, the one tribe that were priests. And so this tribe, they were priests. They were taken care of with the tithe. That was part of, not the only thing, but that was part of what the tithe was used for, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. That's, of course, we're not under that. We're, you and I, most of us are not Jews and, and we're not under the law, so that doesn't apply to us. So yeah, we don't give like that, okay? So that doesn't apply to us. Number four, we're not cursed when we do not tithe. Now, so here's a big one. When I first got born again, oh man, everybody quoted Malachi. And so, so Malachi chapter three, if you read my book, when I get to tithing, I don't mention Malachi three at all. And the reason why I don't is because I don't want people to think that you're a God robber. I don't want people to think that you're gonna be cursed with a curse. No, you're not cursed with a curse. <laughs> you're not going to be cursed. If you're in Christ Jesus, then Jesus was made a curse for us. That's it. And as, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the truth. Jesus became a curse for us. And that's it. I'm not going to be cursed. There's no curse on me. Jesus became a curse. And so now everything, the righteousness of God is what's been imputed or transferred unto me because of Jesus. So there's no curse. Listen, so don't expect I, I, I've heard crazy things from the pulpit. I've heard, hey, if you don't tithe, then you know your car is going to break down. If you don't tithe, then your tires are going to break down. Dr. Dollar even gave an example of, of like, you know, he came short of the tithe or whatever it was. It was a few cents or whatever. And, and, and a, a someone threw a brick through his car window and then immediately condemnation came upon him and said, see, because you didn't tithe, because you missed that little, you know, few cents or whatever in the message. He mentions that now this condemnation comes like, oh, I'm cursed with a curse because of that. That's ridiculous. As a born again believer, listen, you don't have to be afraid of the curse. You're not under a curse. So no. So we, we give because we want to give. We give because our heart is in our giving. We're not, we're not giving out of obligation. We're not giving out of compulsion. This is all new covenant. Second Corinthians chapter uh, uh, eight, second Corinthians chapter nine, all of this is in there. So we're giving because we want to honor 
the Lord and we want the Lord to be uh, uh, involved in our finances. But we're not giving because we're afraid of a curse. Say amen to that. All right, number five. The next point uh, is in my book. So what I'm going to do here is I, I'm actually going to read to you an excerpt uh, from the book, Giving Beyond the Tithe. I'm going to read to you an excerpt from my book. And when, I, when I'm done with the excerpt, I'll let you know when I'm done. So this is what actually is in the book. It says, when it comes, I wrote this before, when it comes to ensuring God is the Lord of your finances, I'm not sharing something with you that I read in a book. This is real to me. I grew up on welfare. I hated buying food with food stamps. My wife grew up with no running water, no electricity. So for us to open up our hearts to grow financially, to look at money from God's perspective as a tool to advance God's kingdom, it took a renewing of our minds. But this is how we live now. We live to give. We see money as a ministry. We know that God can give his children money with a mission and prosperity with a purpose. And I pray that you open up your heart to this teaching. Let's learn from the widow's offering. This is Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44 from the New International Version. The Bible says Jesus sat near the temple collection box and watched as people put money in it. Many rich people put in a lot of money. Dr. Dollar mentions this passage in the, in the, in the message too. Then a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth less than a penny. Jesus called his followers to him and said, this poor widow put in only two small copper coins. But the truth is, she actually gave more than all the rich people. They had plenty and they gave only what they did not need. This woman is very poor, but she gave all that she had, 100%. It was money that she needed to live on. And so I write, let's think about this situation. Here are a few things to consider. Jesus paid attention to what people gave. Think about that for a moment. Jesus was not happy with the people who only gave what they did not need. If it doesn't mean much to you, it will not mean much to God. Dr. Dollar actually said that in the message. This woman did not give 10%. This woman gave 100%. And she gave what she needed to live on. Notice, Jesus did not stop the offering and give her her money back. Notice that Jesus did not tell her that she gave too much or that she did not need to give because she was poor. This woman could not afford to give. So from Jesus's perspective, she could not afford not to. Let me say that again. This woman could not afford to give. Therefore, from Jesus's perspective, she could not afford not to. Since the earth operates on a system of sowing and reaping, cause and effect, and the free will of humans, Jesus knew that this woman needed seed in the ground in order to get out of her financial situation. Now, some people today, would say that the church was taking advantage of her by receiving her money when obviously she needed it and she didn't have much. But people who think this way do not understand the kingdom of God. Jesus applauded this lady because he knew that her harvest would be greater than her seed. Jesus applauded her because he knew that her harvest would be greater than her seed. He knew that his father, the Lord of the harvest, would see to it that she would see receive a harvest on that seed that was sown. So this woman trusted God. She believed God was her source. And Jesus knew that the father, who's the Lord of the harvest, would not let her down. So 
To understand the importance of your offering to God, you must understand the difference between a harvest and an inheritance. Because of Jesus, we have a glorious inheritance. This is still an excerpt from the book, and I'm explaining all of this. And so people say, well, Rick, why do you have to give? Slow down. There's a difference between a harvest and your spiritual inheritance. Let me explain. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 from the Passion Translation. The Bible says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to you as he whispers into your innermost being, you are God's beloved child. That's what the Holy Spirit says. And since we are his true true children, then we qualify. Say, I qualify. We qualify to share in all of his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we are also we also get to inherit everything that he has. So my spiritual mother, Cynthia Brazelton, this is what she said about that passage. She said, there's a difference between an inheritance and a harvest. Harvest comes because of what I do. Inheritance comes because of who I am. This woman gave, right? Because she wanted a harvest. Now, as far as being righteous, Jesus, she could be righteous in Christ Jesus, but she's only going to receive a harvest on seed sown. So let me explain. This is still from the book. Jesus qualified you. Because of Jesus, you are qualified. If you're in Christ, Christ is in you. Listen, you're qualified. Say, I'm qualified. You are declared righteous because of Jesus. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus himself. You are qualified, not because of what you do. You are qualified, not because of what you failed to do. You are only qualified because of what Jesus did. Now, some things come as a result of what we do, which is sowing and reaping, and I'm about to explain that here in a minute. But many things come as a result of what Jesus already did for us and, and our inheritance, right? So inheritance is not based on seed. It is based on identity. So I am the righteousness of God because of my identity in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean that I have to, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to sow because there's a difference between the harvest and the inheritance. So our spiritual inheritance, like the righteousness of God, that's equal for everybody. Everybody that's in Christ, righteousness of God, that's equal. But harvest is not equal. Harvest is different. Harvest is based on seed sown. So the blood of, this is New Testament. This is new covenant giving. The blood of Jesus applies to all believers equally. Forgiveness of sin applies to all believers equally. Eternal life is made available to all, everyone, everywhere equally. We all get the same salvation. We all get the same Holy Spirit. We all get the same eternal life. But there's a difference between harvest and inheritance. Your inheritance has nothing to do with what you do. Your inheritance has everything to do with what Jesus did. But your harvest, look at me, your harvest has everything to do with what you sow. So if you sow little, this is New Testament, this is New Covenant. If you sow little, you will reap little. If you sow much, you will reap much. If you sow nothing, you reap nothing. Now you can be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, still going to heaven, but in the earth, you're going to reap what you sow. So the size of your seed determines the size of your harvest. This is New Testament. This is New Covenant, right? And so, so if you sow little, you're going to reap little. If you sow much, you're going to reap much. If you sow nothing, you're going to reap nothing. So let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 10. I'm still in the book. <laughs> I'm still from the book. 
All of this is in the book. And so, so this is what it says, beginning at verse six. Here's my point, Paul says, a stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. 2 Corinthians chapters eight and nine, in, the, in these two chapters, the apostle Paul is talking about money. Many passages speak on spiritual blessings, not natural blessings, spiritual blessings. But this passage, don't try to make it something that is not, this passage is talking about money. Here, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that the size of your seed can and will impact the size of your harvest. So you get to decide the size of your harvest, the harvest that you're going to receive based on the seed that you sow. This is not equal for everyone because everyone doesn't sow the same seed. This is an individual endeavor, and it's a matter of your heart. He said the woman gave more because she gave 100%. And it wasn't about the, the amount. It was it was like she gave everything. She gave 100%. So she gave more than the other guys. And so she was going to reap a harvest on that seed sown. So Paul's message is simple. Like you are going to reap what you sow. So the size of your harvest is contingent upon what you decide to sow. This is your choice. You get to participate in your own prosperity. This is, this is New Testament giving. This is New Covenant giving, right? Verse seven, let giving flow from your heart, not out of a sense of religious duty, not because I have to do it. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. God loves it when you give glory to God and your heart is in your giving. See, giving is not something you got to do. Giving is something you get to do. You should see giving as a privilege, as an honor. You should give with joy in your heart. Verse eight, verse eight says, yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you would have more than enough of everything. Every moment, you would have every moment in every way, more than enough of everything. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing that you do. See, God is able to give you grace, that he multiplies grace towards you, that you would always have all sufficiency. Another translation says, in all things, at all times, that you'll be able to meet the needs of every situation and give to every good and charitable work. So you can fund kingdom projects all over the world. You can become a conduit of kingdom finance because you're doing it and your heart is in your giving. Verse nine, the Bible says, just as the scriptures say about the ones who trust in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will not be forgotten. He's quoting Psalms 112 and verse nine. Verse 10, the Bible says, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for your meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that your harvest, so that you would have a harvest of your generosity and that it will grow. So God is able to meet every need, the Bible says, plus more. As you sow, listen, God is multiplying it as you sow. So God puts seed, he puts seed in your hand. He ministers seed in your hand. And then he leads you concerning how much of it is seed to sow, how much of it is bread to eat. So you, you shouldn't eat your seed. And then he'll multiply your seed as you sow. So all of that is from the book. <laughs> all of that was number five was all from the book. Check it out. All right. Number six, I have six and seven and then I'll be done. I'll be out of your way. Anyway, but I, I, I think this is important. This is important. So number six, the Holy Spirit 
will always lead you to do more, not less. So new covenant versus old covenant. Under the new covenant, I, I teach this different ways. I'm going to just give you two scriptures and I'll just mention a few things. The Holy Spirit, I believe, under the new covenant will always lead you to do more and not less. So let me explain. Matthew chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, easy to read version. Jesus said, you've heard it said to our, from our people long ago, you must not murder anyone. Any person who commits murder will be judged. But I tell you, so under the old covenant, if you murder someone, you're judged. Old covenant. Here's the new covenant, though, with the Holy Ghost. New covenant, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will always take it to another level. So verse 22, I tell you, new covenant with the Holy Spirit. I tell you, don't be angry with anyone. If you're angry with others, you're going to be judged. If you insult someone, you're going to be judged. And if you call someone a fool, you will be in danger of the fire of hell. So it was like, whoa, oh, snap. So yeah, back then it was like, okay, if you murder somebody, you'll be judged. Over here, listen, try not to even be angry. Walk peaceably with all men. Holy Spirit is going to take it to a whole nother level, right? Matthew 5, 27, 28, easy to read. Jesus said, you've heard it said that you must not commit adultery. But I tell you, if a man looks at a woman, so like if you, if you have a man and he has a wife, Old Testament, if he has sex with a woman that's not his wife, that's adultery. New Testament, uh-oh, Holy Spirit, another level. Holy Spirit, another level. New Testament, if you're married, you look at this lady, you lust, you already committed it. You're already, you're as guilty as the person that had sex with her. Why? Because the new covenant is always going to take it to another level. In the Old Testament, I, I, I'm not going to, I'll just stop there. Old Testament, he goes, you know what? You've heard it said, if somebody hits you, an eye for an eye, a two for a two. They hit you, you can hit them back. New Testament, whole nother level. Under the New Testament, you can, the Holy Spirit might lead you to turn the other cheek. Under the New Testament, we bless those that curse us. Under the New Testament, we do good to those that despitefully use us. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to take it to another level. Here's my point as it relates to giving. If 10% was old covenant, then under the new covenant, you know God, the Holy Ghost is going to take it to a whole other level. So as you're led, don't tell me you're being led by the Holy Spirit to give 2%. I mean, that doesn't, that's not congruent. With, with, with what I see in the word. That's just not congruent. When you draw a conclusion, it must be congruent with the body of scripture. And so the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you to do less than the requirements of the old covenant. And then lastly, and I believe that lines up well with what Dr. Dollar was teaching. And then number seven, last thing is Dr. Dollar, a friend of mine asked me, he said, well, Dr. Dollar said that, you know, Jesus didn't say, you know, to tithe or didn't really teach on tithing. And we looked, he mentioned a couple of passages and that's true. And then he talked about Paul and Paul didn't use the T word, he said. And, and, and that's true. Uh, unless you you attribute the book of Hebrews to the apostle Paul. So so whether you attribute Hebrews to Paul or not, doesn't matter. Let me just tell you something from the book of Hebrews. This is new covenant. This is new Testament. This is tithing new Testament. Let me just mention this and then I'll be done. So last point that I'll give you for tonight, the writer, number seven, the writer of Hebrews makes a connection between Melchizedek, and Jesus as it relates to tithing. So the first mention of tithing is with Abram, Abram and Melchizedek, 400 years before the law. So this was before the law, we see tithing. And then the writer of Hebrews makes a connection with Jesus and Melchizedek after the law, after the law was fulfilled. So before the law, we see tithing. During the law, we see tithing. Now we definitely don't have to give under the law. We're not tithing under the law the way that it used to be. No, no. And then now, New Testament, 
we see tithing after the law here in Hebrews. Let me make the connection. So, so here, if you look at the 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 writing from whoever wrote Hebrews to the to the believers, the Hebrew believers, this is what the Bible says. Basically, if you look at the old covenant, before the old covenant was given, Adam had the Holy Spirit. Adam had no rules, right? And so he was led by the Holy Spirit. And so he was led by the Holy Spirit in all things at all times. And then later uh, you had Abram, and this was before the law was given, before the rules. And then later you had the, the rules, right? But under the old covenant, other than Adam, when Adam sinned, the Holy Spirit was removed. Jesus came and the Holy Spirit was restored. So there was a period of time where there was no Holy Spirit inside of people. So during that time, so now you, you had these rules and, and all of that, and the law was given to, to get man to the end of himself, right? So if we look at Hebrews chapter six, let me just begin reading at verse 20. Hebrews six and 20, the Bible says, this is King James version. I'm gonna read from Hebrews six and 20 to Hebrews seven and verse eight, and then we'll talk about it and we'll be done. Hebrews six and 20, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Hebrews 6 and 20 says, okay, hey, Jesus is a high priest. Remember, this is a book about a better covenant with better promises. And we have this high priest. We have a priest, a high priest, not someone that could not be touched with our infirmities. You know, he, he was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And so he's our high priest. And Hebrews 6 and 20 says, he's a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So what do we know about Melchizedek? Well, all we know about Melchizedek, he shows up in the old, in, in the book of Genesis before the old covenant, before the law was given. He shows up. All we know about him is that he shows up. He's a high priest. He doesn't have a mother or a father. He has no mother. He has no father. And he's a high priest. And he received the tithe, a tenth of all the spoil from Abraham. And he received the tithe and he released the blessing. That's all we know about Melchizedek. Nothing up. All we know about Melchizedek, he's a high priest. He has no mother, has no father. He received the tithe. He released the blessing. That's all we know about Melchizedek. Then the Bible says in the New Testament, Hey, Jesus is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's Hebrews 6 and 20, Hebrews 7 and 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. That's what we know, right? He received the tithe. He released the blessing. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth, a tithe of all. First being by interpretation, king of righteousness. Ooh, so this, this Melchizedek, is interpreted to be king of righteousness and also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So there's this Melchizedek that shows up in the Old Testament, no mother, no father. He is king of righteousness. He is king of Salem. He is king of peace. Without father, verse three, without father, without mother, without descent, neither having beginning of days nor end of life, but is made like unto the son of God, and he abides as a priest continually. Oh, man, this guy is a priest continually. Verse four, now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of all the spoils. Right, so he's saying now this guy was greater than Abraham. Abraham was great, this guy was greater, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoils. Verse five, and verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes. Remember, under the old covenant, they took tithes for the Levites. So yeah, those that are the sons of Levite, they have a commandment to take the tithes of the people according to the law, that is of their brethren, 
that they may come from the loins of Abraham. Verse 6, but he whose descent is not counted from them received the tithes of Abraham. So this man that received tithes from Abraham, he was not from the tribe of Levi, he's saying. He was not counted among them. And he blessed him who had the promise. Abraham had the promise, and this man had a blessing that was greater than Abraham. He received the tithe. He released the blessing. Verse 7, and without contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. So the lesser in this case is Abraham. The better in this case is Melchizedek. Verse 8, this is the last verse I'm going to read. You should read the whole chapter, though. This is good teaching. Verse 8, and here, the Bible says, here, down here in the earth, men receive tithes. This is New Testament. This is New Covenant. This is after the law. And here, men that die receive tithes. So that's what it says. Down here, men that die receive tithes. But there, who, where is there? To me, that has to be heaven. Once again, if I'm wrong, the Holy Spirit can show me. This is my understanding. In context, here, men that die receive tithes, but there, he receiveth them. There, where? Has to be heaven. He, who is he? Has to be Jesus, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. And if you keep reading, it goes on to explain that Jesus is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So my understanding is this. Then when I give, I'm not under obligation to give. My car is not going to break down if I don't give the tithe. I'm not paying. First of all, I don't pay tithes. I'm not paying God anything. I'm giving unto God out of what he already gave unto me. And so we give way more than 10%. But the first 10% to me, I call it a tithe. You can call it whatever you want. We're going to give more than 10% anyway. But as we give, the Bible says, down here, men that die receive tithe. Up there, Jesus, my high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, he receives them. And so as I'm giving, I believe that my high priest, watch this, without contradiction, the, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And so as I bring the tithe, what does Jesus do? My high priest forever. As I bring the tithe, he releases the blessing after the order of Melchizedek. All we know about Melchizedek was he received the tithe, he released the blessing. I bring my tithe and I give it. I'm giving offering, I'm giving, and down here, men receive it, but up there, he receives it. Jesus, my high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, he receives it, and he releases the blessing. So here's the point. Giving is a biblical principle. It will work if you put it to work. Even people that don't know Jesus, they, they, they tap into this principle of giving, and they're blessed. At the end of the day, you are going to receive according to what you give. Now, if you want to say, well, you know, tithe, I'm not going to tithe. Cool, go ahead. Like, I mean, like, you got to be led of the Holy Spirit in all things. Like, But just remember, your spiritual inheritance, you went heir and joined that with Jesus, you're the righteousness of God by faith. That is your inheritance. But that's not your harvest. Your harvest is based on your seed. And so if you want to harvest, you got to have seed in the ground, even in the New Testament, new covenant giving. And this is what I believe Pastor Creflo Dollar was teaching. So I hope this helped you. Uh, I thank God. for And those that are on our Patreon, I'm going to share my notes with you as well. But listen, I love you. Uh, leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. And I'll see you soon. Have a blessed evening.